Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Jeff Berardi, the Chief Marketing Officer of KL Gates. Jeff leads global marketing and business development efforts for the firm, maintaining primary responsibility for strategic planning, business development, PR, and digital marketing communications. Jeff was recognized as the 2011 International Marketing Professional of the Year by Hildebrand. He's written for and been quoted in numerous publications. Jeff, I've given our listeners some insight into your role. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally? Sure. Thanks, Nicole. Yes, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer of KL Gates. I've been with the firm since 2004. I've been CMO since 2006. I basically oversee our global marketing and business development efforts. I have a team of people who work across offices around the world. The firm has 45 offices. We have about 2,000 lawyers. We're on five continents. I definitely rely on a, a great team of people to help out, and they go from the more marketing communications professionals all the way to very business development, client development focused folks. A big team, a global team. Can't wait to hear more about that. Anything you want to share with us about your experience or how you got to KNL Gates? Sure. So, I mean, just to kind of give you a sense of what the firm was like when I first joined back in 2004, we had 10 offices. All of those offices were in the United States. We had about 800 lawyers. So, the firm has really changed dramatically during my time with it. We've grown considerably, certainly on an international basis, as I mentioned before, going from the 10 offices to now 45 and throughout Europe, throughout Asia, Australia, the Middle East, and also in South America. And it's been really exciting to be part of that growth. It certainly hasn't been without its challenges, but I've found it to be fascinating. And I had the opportunity to launch the KNL Gates brand back in 2007 during a combination that we had between Kirkpatrick and Lockhart, Nicholson Graham and Preston Gates and Ellis, and that really created the K&L Gates brand. It's a new brand. It's a young brand. We've learned a lot along the way, and I continue to learn. Every day is, is something new, which certainly makes it interesting. Great introduction to really what are going to be some questions that are very focused on you know where we are today from a law firm marketing and business development perspective. Jeff, in my experience, I've always defined, when I've had the pleasure of leading both marketing and sales, I define marketing as getting the message out, opening doors, creating interest through campaigns, messaging, PR, ads, events, descriptive materials. Really, what is the voice? What voice do we want out in the market about our firm? And I did make the delineation that business development was about finding and signing profitable business. Do you agree with a delineation that's that clear? Or do you have another way of really describing the responsibilities or the separation of responsibilities between marketing and business development? It's a great question. I would say that I generally agree with your assessment. I typically view it as a bit of a spectrum with one side being more of the marketing activities to increase awareness of the firm. That might be the overall brand. It might be for a particular office. It might be for a practice area or even individual. On the other side of the spectrum, the business development activities, which I usually describe as those things that we do to strengthen relationships with existing clients, as well as build relationships with prospective clients. So all the 
pitches and proposals, the responses to RFPs, the, the events and sponsorships, in my view, fall a little bit more into the BD side than the marketing side. All that said, I think that the lines between marketing and business development are becoming increasingly blurred. As an example, let's say we host a particular legal program. That program can and should raise the profile of the brand. It also should result in very targeted business development activities and opportunities. For that reason, I think it really requires our marketing communications professionals to work very closely and collaboratively with our BD team members. Straight on response. If we're going to have clients in or prospective clients, we want to have those business developers present, but we also need our marketing folks to really be listening to what they're saying and what they're experiencing, getting an understanding of what is happening in the space so that they can better do their job. I agree that those lines are blurred. A good lead into this next question that a law firm structure, especially a large law firm with as many offices and disciplines, practice areas within the firm, the practices tend to, I would imagine, in your case as well at K&L Gates, that they want to take responsibility for the growth of their practice or be very involved in the growth of their practice. It's part of what their role is. What have you done in either your different offices and in, in the different practices within the firm to make sure that they saw your team as a partner in that process, in the process of both retention and growing those accounts? Our firm expects that our lawyers will be personally involved in the business development process. I think it's pretty much just a part of who we are as a firm, although that's taken maybe a decade for it to become much more of the culture. So when I first started, we didn't have a business development department. That was something that I created. It had to be a little bit more of an educational process to explain what it is that our BD professionals can do and how they can support and assist our partners and other lawyers in those activities. You know, to answer your question, I think it does fall practice areas and offices drive client retention and revenue growth. However, our business development team is directly involved in developing strategies and initiatives to help drive that revenue growth at either the office or practice level. We typically work very closely with office or practice leaders to determine goals and objectives, and then we come up with action items to execute on those goals. Now, I really think that the process works best when it's done on a joint basis. My team often collaborates on revenue growth initiatives. And in terms of best practices, we've seen a lot of benefits working along industry lines rather than just practice group lines. I'm happy to go into depth on that too, if you'd like me to. I was going to go to the next question about any specifics. A lot of our folks, whether they're support side of professional services, you know, marketers, business developers within the legal profession, or if the listeners are actually lawyers themselves, they really want to hear, well, how do you do it? Is there anything, either some guidance or strategic or tactical suggestion that you would make to others? Because of course, they've been successful for you and your firm. Sure. Let me circle back the industry group. I think that is part of it, trying to get us out of thinking along these narrow practice groups. We've got nine broad practice areas. We've got something like 40 or 50 more narrow practice group. Our practice groups are fairly self-focused. That's how we structure ourselves internally. What I think my BE team is really trying to make sure our partners and lawyers understand is that clients don't really care about how we're structured at the end of the day. They simply want us to know their business. And so clients are typically viewing the world along industry rather than practice group lines. So instead of saying they're in the M&A industry or the IP industry, which is what our practice group structure might be, they might 
say that they're in the construction field or in the technology sector. So the more that we can come up with very targeted initiatives that showcase our industry expertise and capabilities, the more we're going to be aligned with the needs of our clients. That means those efforts then can be spread across offices and practices, which makes the BD role even more important to be able to connect those dots in an effective manner. So again, that's that's a little more general. Talking about specific, it probably sounds a bit simple and somewhat trite. In order to know the business of our clients, it actually means that we have to ask those questions of specific clients, directly asking general counsel what keeps them up at night, for instance, and learning about what kind of issues they're facing. And then we can come away with a much better understanding of what the client's top priorities are for growing and managing their respective businesses. And then using that information, we can much more effectively target particular practices or capabilities that may be a good fit for that client. So, you know, as an example, we know that the client is really focused on regulatory compliance issues such as FCPA or the anti-bribery in the UK, we can then speak to the GC about how we have people who can help solve that problem for them, as opposed to just trying to kind of sell practices and regions or offices. I think, you know, that's where my business development team is really trying to figure out, okay, first of all, why KNL Gates? There's so many other law firms out there. What is it that makes us unique and different? Um, and then really try to connect the dots to what the issues that the clients are facing and then kind of set it up as to how do we help solve their problems coming to them with a much more kind of multidisciplinary approach as opposed to just how we're structured internally. Again, you know, that all sounds pretty simple, but, you know, when you have a firm with 2,000 lawyers and 45 offices around the globe, it, it gets pretty complex. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then to actually ensure that people are executing and doing some kind of account profiling, account planning, do you use or ask that a certain methodology be used for account planning, account profiling? do, but it's, I think it's done in a little bit more of a case-by-case basis. Not every account goes through the same process. We don't take as much of a rigorous approach across the board for that. I know that in some places, they look at, say, the top 50 clients or the top 100 clients or accounts and say, we're going to just go after them. I actually feel like we've got a lot of opportunities with you know the, the clients to maybe the 500th largest client or, you know, the 900th largest client where we have a lot of potential to expand the amount of work that we do for them, but they won't necessarily show up on kind of like a top client chart. So it's not to say that we don't take an approach with some of the larger accounts, but more so we're looking for opportunities to grow the business at a number of different levels. And it doesn't always kind of boil down to just these top accounts are what we go after. I mean, we, we just have a number of clients across many different industries that are very significant to the firm, but you know, we don't have like just a few clients that give us the bulk of our overall revenue. And we've talked about industry in both of these last few questions. Is there a specific focus once you have a client in a particular industry and you've gained some industry knowledge and expertise? Has there been the guidance to say easier to go out and find another client in that same industry? Or is that not an approach that? I think it definitely is information that we use to our benefit. I mean, once we talk to clients about industry issues, then what we can do is we create content. So it might be a client alert, more likely it's probably like a webinar program 
or any sort of event that's geared towards answering questions that clients and potential clients might have within that industry. And our webinars often attract several hundred participants, and then we're able to very proactively follow up with those attendees after the event is over. So an example is we recently did a four-part healthcare industry webinar series, cases focused on healthcare reform. We can follow up with clients across those industries or within that industry because we're talking to them about issues very top of mind for them. And we actually do get work. I mean, there was a an existing client where we received a bet the company litigation matter from them kind of outside of what we would typically be talking to them about. It wouldn't have come about had we not shared this information with the client in this webinar series. We also held a cross-office webinar on the subject of EU trademark law reform. Our speakers were K&L Gates partners from various European offices in the firm. As far as we're aware, this is really one of the first cross-office European IP webinars out there, and it really attracted a lot of interest as a result. In these ways, we're trying to connect offices and practices and give it as service offerings to clients as opposed to just, you know, here's what we do within this practice group or here's what we do within this office. For that, it really is a lot of our BD team members and and marketing team members thinking about it in terms of a campaign around content management, around sharing information, and then using that to kind of follow up in a very targeted way with attendees or participants. Fantastic. You mentioned that there was a client that you would not have engaged that you did receive a matter from, had the opportunity to expand your business into a different space. Is there another success story focusing on an industry or is there another success stories that really highlight the strategy that you propose to your partners as the one that would definitely help them keep and expand their business? Sure. I mean, let me tell you really quickly, going back to kind of the content marketing, what we recently launched about a year ago is this new digital destination called KNL Gates Hub. It's very much along the lines of what we were just talking about with industry based content rather than practice group content. When you go to KNL Gates Hub, you'll see all of our content sorted along industry lines rather than practice group lines. It's just much more intuitive for clients and potential clients to come and get access to alerts and webinars and other content, and it's all there for free. So that's something that we created because we really felt like it was important for us to do because we had all this information, but it just wasn't as intuitive for clients. The other thing that we did as part of Candle Gates Hub is we created this on-demand CLE center, so continuing legal education center. Now, clients and anyone can come to the site register, get access to valuable information all for free and from the convenience of their home or their office or can even do it on a mobile device, which I think is really exciting. So we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that and it's actually led to to work as a result. The other piece is that now we're taking a step further and actually working directly with clients to come up with almost like the second version of KNL Gates Hub, which is a very bespoke offering that's specific to what their needs are, that's specific to the kind of information that they want to receive. I really think it is an opportunity for us to be able to work with our clients directly on creating something that just doesn't exist out there in the marketplace. That's an example of how we can kind of expand 
both the relationship with a particular client, but also the type of work that we offer to them because they're just much more aware of the the many things that we have to to provide to clients. And I think that's part of it is just as a firm as vast as ours, as global and geographic scope and disciplines, I just feel like they don't always know all the things that we offer. And sometimes people within our firm don't even know because it's just, it's so spread out across offices and practices. So that that's really helped because it really speaks to the client in a way that I don't think really has been done within the legal environment yet. Love that idea of doing the CLE credit and providing resources on an industry focus and or just general resources as a way to continue your message as a firm being helpful and being a resource for your clients, not where they have to call you and start the clock. They're able to go out on that site and get information, get information that they can use, which is fantastic. The market's changed. And definitely since you've been in your role, you started at KL Gates when the market was still responding to a change. How have you seen business development and marketing within the law firm change due to market conditions and understanding since you took on this role that a lot has happened in Europe, a lot has happened in other countries in which you're doing business. And of course, here in the States, how has your role or how has business development and marketing changed due to market conditions? absolutely agree that it's changed. I think as pressure on hourly rates has continued, the atmosphere has gotten a lot more competitive on pricing and, and on proving value. And I think that means that business development, the business development function is all the more important to differentiating the firm in unique ways. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about we need to be able to convey to our clients and potential clients, why K&L Gates? Why should they select us over the many others out there. And and I think that's an opportunity. It's a challenge, but also an opportunity. During the global economic downturn, I saw a lot of firms swing the pendulum a bit too far in favor of BD over marketing, which meant that they paired their marketing communications way back and primarily focused on business development, partly because I think, you know, with business development, you can probably more closely connect your investment to the return on that investment. Whereas with marketing branding activities, it's a little bit harder to to show that at least in a short amount of time. But I personally believe that you need a good balance between the two functions. As you said before, marketing feeds the business development pipeline. And if you cut too much, it ends up being ineffective in the long term. So I actually feel like there's more need now than ever to invest in marketing in order to continue to fuel those BD activities. And for that reason, we've focused a great deal on making sure that those two areas work together in a collaborative fashion as an integrated team. And, you know, that's kind of what I was saying before about the need for kind of multifaceted campaigns that incorporate both the marketing branding elements as well as business development, client development activities. Hub is an example of that where it's all about developing relationship with the client, a stronger relationship with the client based on providing them very valuable content that they can kind of use over a period of time. And then if they participate in a webinar, they're at least now aware of us and learned a little bit more about what we have to offer. And then if the time comes down the road where they have a need for legal services, perhaps they'll think of us. And and I think that's how it's, I think it's a lot of it has to do with digital and the rise of digital. Now you can have a much more clean approach between our marketing communications all the way through that 
spectrum to business development. Whereas in the past, maybe you ran an ad in a journal and, you know, that helped to build awareness, but it didn't have as much clear connection to the actual people you're talking to or interacting with um, on the business development side. So I think, you know, it's just an evolution. So that's some of the ways I've seen business development change within the changing market conditions is a need for us to work very closely together and take advantage of the kind of branding activities we're taking and positioning activities we're taking to enable the firm to strengthen those relationships with clients. Jeff, great response. Brought some to mind, likely a differentiator for you and your firm, considering the fact that you do have a healthy group of professional marketing and business development folks. Do you spend a good amount of time or does your team looking at data associated to how people are hearing about your firm's services, You know what they're looking at on your site, how often they're going to a hub, who's going to the hub, what are they looking at while they're there? Is that a part of your strategy or your efforts is to see where people are actually using what you've put out there, then crank up where they're going or try to change the game in places where they're not? Definitely. I mean, data is so important and we're looking more and more at analytics and tools that we can use. And we have already have a great deal of information about, you know, who's visiting and and how long they stay and what kind of programs they find to be most relevant. And then from there, we can kind of use that to perhaps view it as a best practice into other offices or practices. And But I will say that I just feel like it's it's still the start of this whole process. We we have a lot of information. We use it consistently as part of our targeting and business development efforts. But I I feel like it's just we've just scratched the surface with all of the things that are out there and what can be done with it. So it's it's a huge priority for me, for my team, and for the firm as a whole to continue to take advantage of the new tools and and systems that are out there to to really leverage that data in the in the right way. It kind of goes back to the whole big data concept. You know, it's like how do you take advantage of what's out there? There's so much information out there, but if you can extract bits and pieces in a very logical way, then that's going to be very beneficial for the organization. So so we we absolutely use the information now. We use it to target. We use it in very effective ways. But But as I said, I really think it's just the start of that journey. It seems like more and more there's ways for us to extract data and information from that. And and we need to do that in order to be as competitive as possible. Do you consider your firm and your use of that data or other marketing or business development programs innovative? That said, if not within your firm, have you seen something outside outside your firm, possibly even, even outside the industry that you feel is an innovative approach to business development? We're certainly using it, as I mentioned before. It's hard to tell right now how it's being used effectively outside of our firm. I've heard and seen a lot of case studies about predictive analytics and and how you can best use data to get a sense of what clients are going to do or, or what kind of needs they might have. And, and I think that's really exciting. I think in a lot of cases, it falls outside of the legal industry. It's 
it's more on the professional services side where in B2B companies looking at, you know, the overall set of information related to clients' behavior and buying patterns and using that then to kind of target. I can't think of anything offhand regards to a specific organization that's done it. I've read quite a lot of case studies about how companies are doing this. And and in some cases, it's professional services, B2B companies, but in other cases, it's just kind of using data effectively in industries outside of professional services. So, you know, that's the way I tend to look at it as I usually look outside the industry for ideas and innovations. As, As you're aware, I'm a member of various professional services organizations where I get together with other CMOs and the financial services and accounting and consulting fields. And it's definitely interesting to hear what they have to say in B2B scenarios. But yeah, I think, as I said, we're, we're just starting down that path within the legal industry. Um, and I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more to come over time. Jeff, many of our listeners are millennial, mobile, and global. Any advice you'd give them, whether it's that associate that's starting their business development journey or a new partner who is taking on these responsibilities, any advice you'd give them? To the extent they're able to do so, to, to be patient with the development of their careers, as well as the speed at which law firms typically make change. It's been said that law firms move at glacial speed. And I, you know, I think to some extent that's true. Uh, I feel like people can come up with really good ideas, but if they're not able to execute them in the context of the culture of the firm or the organization, as well as its readiness for change, then those ideas may end up being completely futile. I personally, I really like the energy and the enthusiasm of the millennials on my team. And we're always trying to tap into that and, and frankly, learn from them about how we can improve for the future. So I view it as a learning process for me and for the firm as a whole. But you know, that said, I, I sometimes find that people are impatient with respect to growing in their careers and they expect change to happen immediately. And in the law firm setting, that that usually isn't the case. I think, you know, I would just counsel a bit of patience. Not it doesn't have to be, you know, an incredibly long period of time, but but you know, it, it doesn't always happen uh, immediately or as quickly as people expect. It's great advice. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do? I really enjoy working with my team. They're an incredible group of professionals. They really make me proud every single day. I especially like watching individuals grow and develop in their careers over time. We have a tendency to promote from within. I truly appreciate when people step up into new roles and responsibilities. And in some cases, they're things that they didn't necessarily think they could take on. And then they end up really thriving as a result. And and I think that's one of my greatest things to see is just team members who build that confidence and and gain new responsibilities is an exciting part of the job. Probably say that's the most enjoyable part of the of the role. Any last points you'd like to make before we say goodbye? Only that it's been a pleasure to speak with you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. Oh, 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 oh,